0: Welcome back. Thank you for listening. This is episode 22, continuing the discussion that we had with Tynes Hampton, discussing recording and mixing. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you guys for listening. It means a lot to all of us here at the Fret Buzz Camp. If you've got a moment, go over and give us a review on iTunes. It helps us and gets the word out. And don't forget to check out our blog as well. In addition, hop on over to fretbuzzthepodcast.com and drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing and um, what you think. All right, let's jump back into the conversation where we left off last week for part two recording and mixing with Tynes Hampton
1: well let let's let's keep going with this mixing process and back to the the drums and the bass and everything. Hmm. If you're sitting down to mix, I mean when I was starting to go into the studio I didn't understand why an engineer couldn't tell me how much it would cost to mix a song I didn't I didn't know I didn't understand what went into mixing I didn't understand that every song was different but having seen that process I now completely understand why it may take an hour it may if you want a quick mix it you could do it quick but if you really want somebody to mix your stuff well it could take hours and yes. So like going through that process, I'd, I'd like to talk about the process of, you know, starting with the drums and then moving on to the bass guitar and bringing in your rhythm instruments and, you know, setting those the lead guitar part and the vocals on top, you know, as icing on the cake.
2: Yeah. For me, Joe, generally, again, you know, I, I hate to give you the generic answer, but it does depend on the song. Um, you know, what I usually would do is listen to, you know, just the recordings or a pre-mix or a rough mix, uh, you know, of the song and I'll listen to it, you know, maybe two or three times before I get started. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something, you know, that as I grew as an engineer, I learned the, the value of that. And the reason is because for me, uh, when I'm working through any process, I like to tackle what's most difficult first. Um, so if I hear a lot of challenges, say from the drums. say I hear that, you know, I feel like the drums are, you know, kind of a bad recording or, you know, they're not great, but I have to work with what I have to work with. Um, I like to tackle what's most difficult first. Sometimes that's the vocal. Sometimes that's the separation between the vocal and, say, guitars or horns or, you know, anything else that may be, you know, in the higher frequency ranges. I like to tackle what I find to be most difficult first, because what happens is, uh, for instance, let's say it's a pop song. And I have, um, you know, a drum track that the producer basically just, you know, pieced together sample drums that already Mm -hmm. sound good. I'm probably going to mix those drums last because I know that's going to be a fairly simple thing for me to do because they already are, you know, most of those sample sounds are already boosted. Some of them already even mastered. So there's not a lot, you know, that I can do to make them better. I'm going to EQ them and, and, you know, put them where they belong in the actual song, but You know, it's it's not a lot that I can do to those, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, vice versa. Let's say it's a a live band recording. Normally with a live band recording, one of the first things I do is mix my drums and get those nice and full um, Mm -hmm. just so that it can actually carry what we're doing for the rest of the song. Um, If it's a vocal issue, uh, let's say that you got vocals, you got background vocals, you have multiple people singing background vocals. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes you may have a weak link in that chain. You know, and, and yeah. you don't want to tell the weak link that they are a weak link, but sometimes you may have a weak link in, in that chain. So, you know, what you're going to do in that situation is, you know, perhaps tackle those first. Um, there's another reason why I tackle what's most difficult first, and that's basically what we just said about your your muscle getting tired. Um, I tackle what's most difficult first while my ears are as fresh as possible. and And that way I can, you know, go in there – us clean that up fix that up because i know the rest not to say it's going to be easy but it's going to be a little bit better flow to the rest of the work than it is you know to what is most difficult in that mix you know what provides the biggest challenge to you that's usually what i suggest people to start off with
1: so if you were going to mix drums first on a song and you want to make them big and full how would you do that for listeners
2: um i'm I take the exact same approach because, you know, the drums are, you know, you have eight to 10 to maybe even 14 tracks, you know, Mm -hmm. that are just drums. So I'm going to take the same approach that I look at for the overall master. It's all breaking it down into segments. So I'm looking at the overall mix. What's most difficult? Okay. Drums. So, you know, if the drums are the most difficult part of that, then I'm going to look at the drums and say, okay, what's most difficult here? Do I have a strong snare drum? Is my snare drum weak? Um, you know, does the snare drum pop already or do I need to put a lot of work onto that snare drum? Um, for me, my process from there, uh, usually with drums is I'm going to work on the kick and, you know, round the bottom off on the kick a little bit, you know, sweeten it up a little bit. And then I'm going to bring in the snare and make sure that I got a good contrast between those two instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, a lot of people will go to the hi-hats or toms and everything. I go straight to my overheads. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I go straight to my overheads is because I feel like the overheads provide um, kind of that balance. And, you know, basically, if you've got good overhead recordings, what you're really doing is taking those overheads and you're going to sweeten those up with each individual sound. So, you know, I, I'll go from the kick and snare and see how that sounds with my overheads. Maybe take the overheads off, work some more on that kick and snare, bring the mm-hmm. overheads back in, um, you know, and then sometimes also, like I said, with high hats toms and things like that just to save time i'll generally go to a part of the song where there is a drum roll mm-hmm. and that way you know and just put that on loop and that way i'm not fatiguing my ears listening to the whole song all the way through waiting for these times to come back in i'm just gonna put that portion on loop so i can listen to it and get a loop going on that um where as much as going on as possible within that loop and mm-hmm. that way you're not waiting on parts while your ears are getting tired or getting fatigued yeah
1: and so for our listeners that haven't done this, you know there's going to be a mic on almost every individual drum, and then there's also you know there might be two mics on a drum. You might have a mic on the top of your snare, a mic on the mm-hmm. bottom of the snare to get more of the, the actual metal snare sound. You might have a mic in two different places on the kick drum, but the overheads are going to sit um, over top to really get the sound of the cymbals. And but you really hear everything from them. Is so that- they're, they're
2: typically mics that pick up the high frequencies well for those symbols. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. and uh you know for me the the overheads will generally provide <laughs> you with a I don't want to say a guideline, but it kind of tells you, you know, okay, ambiance wise, what is my room giving me. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you said, you have mics directly on drums, those are pretty easy, you know, and not to say that they're easy to mix, but they're pretty easy for you to hear and know exactly what's going on right away. Overheads kind of tell you what is the room doing. You know, what is the room bringing to this mix? What is the room adding to the mix? What is the room doing to my frequencies? And then, you know, when you start to bring in those individual drums and put them on top of the room, you, you know, that's kind of why I mix it that way, because it gives you kind of that baseline to work off of where, OK, now I have my kick drum, my snare drum. I can put my hi-hats in. How does that sound with the room? Yeah. Because you're going to have the room is going to be a part of your mix at all times anyway. So you got to make sure that your room is sounding tight. Do I need to EQ off some of that top frequency because I'm getting too much, you know, of the uh, semblance from hi-hats and and crashes? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that room will tell you everything, you know, right away. And you can always take it out of the mix while you're mixing individual drums. But you want to bring it back in frequently so you can hear what the room is doing to your mix.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a huge, I mean, working with tons of people, tons of artists, tons of engineers, there's many ways to go about mixing. Um, you can, taking it all the way back to where we started from, you could start with drums. I know a lot of people who, you know, like you were saying, Joe, start with kick and then move on to bass and move on to Um, there's also a school of thought where instead of starting on an individual basis, you stop, you start from a something which is called a top down mixing, um, Mm -hmm. perspective, whereas, and you kind of think of it as a funnel, um, where on top of the funnel, you have all your individual tracks and then underneath that you have all your buses and then underneath that you have your master fader. Mm -hmm. um and the top down is actually kind of flip that on end where you kind of look at your master fader first and you start mixing from your master fader um and you start adding um tiny tiny bits of compression tiny tiny bits of eq um and kind of going at it like that because most often if you're having a dull mix all you really need to do is just brighten it up just a little bit or brighten or take your glow and the low end and kind of just boost it just by a db or two and that changes your overall kind of mix from the get go Um, And then from there, you go to your submixes and you start actually kind of EQing your submixes and compressing your submixes. That way, when you actually get down to your individual tracks, there's less work to do on individuals. Um, I've I've heard arguments for that. I've heard arguments against that. Again, in mixing, there is no right way to do things. It's honestly how you as an individual uh, like to mix and the end result um Mm -hmm. do you have good results with your you know the end result and do you do your customers enjoy that um what you end up with that's number one um and then you guys were kind of talking about the whole overheads and how to kind of approach overheads first of all you definitely want to think about Um, drummer's perspective or audience perspective in terms of panning. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to be able to sit behind the drums and hear the drums as a drummer would, or do you want to be able to sit in front of the drums and hear the drums like an audience member would? Um, That's number, that's kind of number one. Number two, in terms of the overheads um, you do usually have overheads as um, almost like a cymbal mic. Um, you want to treat sometimes them as a symbol mic and how the drums are in a stereo field, because in addition to the your overheads, you also have a usually not always, but you usually sometimes have a room mic as well, if not a stereo room mic, uh, or multiples. Uh, room mics that are being placed within the room in different spots. um I've played with you know putting them on the floor, putting them on the ceiling, putting them in a back corner, putting um, some people have put them in stairwells, uh, you know down the hallway. On the levy breaks, right? Yeah, when the levee breaks. Um, so, yeah, there's multiple ways to kind of get different sounds. And then you can take those room mics and throw them through some parallel compression and just make them completely dirty and then just kind of bring them underneath the mix. And all of a sudden, you just get this powerful crushing sound from drums. And you're like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, but with stereo overheads, there's... From what I've kind of gathered over the years, there's two ways that you can kind of approach overheads, where if you take your kick and you take your overheads and kind of just mix that, mm-hmm. now you have that overall stereo field of how the drum sounds, and then you can bring your individual drums underneath that and bring them mm. up to support that sound of that stereo field mm. to bring your toms in underneath that to bring your your snare underneath that high hat the ride and bring it underneath and kind of support what you already have drum wise through your stereo field mm-hmm. or you can go the opposite way of first mixing in your kick your snare your toms your high hat um and getting that foundation, and then bringing your your overheads on top of that to just kind of detail it a little bit more. Um, again, there's no right way to do it. It's just yeah. a matter of experimentation and trying a bunch of different ways and, mm-hmm. and seeing what you like. <clears throat> yeah,
2: agreed, agreed. And I, and I would also just you know what you just said. I just call that uh, sugar and spice. Yeah, you you can mix it and put a little sugar and spice on top of it with the overheads or you can have the overheads be the meat and potatoes Mm -hmm. and and have everything else fill in as the sugar and spice. It it just depends on what's giving you the sound, you know, that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I've recently learned about mixing, you know, especially drums, um, is that when I do work with the overheads, let's go back to the word we used before, panning. Mm-hmm. um sometimes what i'll do is i'll listen to that stereo overhead mix and that'll kind of tell me where i need to pan things right away yeah. because i listen to that stereo mix and i hear where everything's coming in from the perspective of facing the drummer mm-hmm. and just like what you said that'll tell you where everything belongs in your mix as far as your panning is concerned yeah. so you, you you can use it either way
0: yeah i mean you could tell you are talking about how you know where where you place the drums you go back to you know the Beatles, uh, or the Stones, or any one of those old recordings back in the '60s. You know, if you if you listen, drums are only in the left my headphone. That's it. You take off the right headphone, and okay. you only hear yeah, it's gone. It, you'll only hear bass or the piano or something like that in the one he- headphone. Um, so there's many ways to go about doing it. There's no right way to do it. It's just a matter of what you're kind of going for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the whole recording process is 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 very interesting in terms of the end result and what you're looking for, and honestly, what your client is looking for. Sometimes they know what they're looking for, sometimes they have no idea. Sometimes they're coming to you because you know, all they know is I've got this song and I <clears throat> I don't know it's this broken down thing and I need to make it come to life. Sometimes it's, you know, I've been working on this for years and I know exactly what it is. Uh, actually, that's one of the, some, one of the things I wanted to ask you times is how many people of your clientele um, come to you as an engineer versus how many people come to you as a producer?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, the two lines have definitely been blurred over the years. Um and what the first thing I do is I explain to people what exactly a producer is and what an engineer is, um you know, uh because we have you know different meanings for different styles of music. You yeah. know, for for pop and hip hop music, you know, normally the producer is just the guy that created a beat. Mm-hmm. You know, that person may have never even met the artist that's you know that's going over top of the music. Yeah. Um and then you know for. Other styles of music, you know, rock and, and you know, uh, even anything live, you know, gospel, jazz, mm. blues. A lot of times the producer is somebody that sits in with the band and walks them through. Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is what I need you to do, you to do, you to do. And and there's a big difference as far as the terminology is concerned. And, you know, as an engineer, I'm sure you guys have heard this before. People will just call you a producer not really understanding the fact that you don't produce anything. Right. <laughs> You're the actual engineer. So, yeah. you know, um that, that's something where, you know, I get a lot of clientele where I have to, you know, walk the line. I have to blur the line a little bit. Um, I do, you know, make sure to, you know, explain to them, you know, hey, I'm I'm the engineer. And you know, uh if there's situations that I can tackle for you, I'll be more than happy to tackle them, knock them out. But there are going to be certain situations where you may need a producer. Right. And, you know, um, and there's a big difference between, you know, the two titles. Now, you know, I, I'm an engineer that can dabble in production, but, you know, I'm not a producer. And, you know, um, I used to think I was a producer. But, you know, you work with a few professional producers and you find out what a producer is and you realize you're not a <laughs> producer. <laughs> so, right. you know, like I'm someone that can dabble. You know, a yeah. little, you know, production, you know, assistance and things like that. But, you know, that 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 actually goes back to communicating in the beginning, oh, you yeah. know, just talking with people and saying, you know, hey, what is it that we're going for? What is our end result here? A lot of times, um, you know, just uh, uh, holidays are coming up. You know, you may get people that want to come in and just, you know, do holiday songs and things like that it's nothing that they're really looking to release or, you know, treat too seriously. Hey, we don't need a producer for that. We can take care of that. Okay. Mm. But you know, if this is one of your, you know, four or five albums that you're going to release in a lifetime, let's go all the way as far as we can take it. You know, let's do as much as we can do to make this as perfect and as flawless as we can make it. And you know, that, that has a lot to do with, okay, maybe we need a producer in our process. Mm. Um, It has a lot also to do with, you know, the artists knowing what they want. Um, you know, sometimes working with an artist that knows exactly what they want is the most difficult process. Um, the reason is, is because it takes a lot of your creativity out of the process and you're more so trying to match what someone's looking for, as opposed to adding your own creative touch. Right. You know, um, and, uh, I had a artist come to me one time and we were working and this actually happened. He told me, he said, I'm, I think I'm going to take my business somewhere else. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the first time I'd ever heard that before. So Mm -hmm. I was absolutely crushed (laughs) and destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, after I found out the reason why I understood, he said, you know, to be honest with you, you know, the way you work is a little bit too intense for me and you know uh it wasn't where i was being aggressive at all it's just that you know like when we're diving into a project i'm diving into the music you know let's go you know let's get it yeah. right yeah, yeah and what he was looking for was somebody to kind of play around and you know that's okay some people you know that's that's more comfortable for them you know he never released a project in his life you know that was 10 years ago now and never released anything but and he actually kept in contact with me because he liked the fact that i handled it with professionalism but mm-hmm. I actually referred him on where he could go, you know, to get somebody that would play around with, you know, but, um, it just, sometimes, you know, just communicating with people and seeing what it is that they want to get out of the final process will tell you a lot about, you know, do I need to be a producer, you know, for some of this, or do we need to get a producer in to help us with this? Right. So it's the communication. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That pre-production is extremely important. Make sure, make sure that all parties know, uh, what's going to be happening in the future. And, you know, it just makes your life as a, as an engineer or a producer uh, that much easier. You know, I, I know what's expected out of me and you know, you've communicated to me because ultimately you are my client and I want you to be happy. You know, I want you to be able to walk out that door at the end of the day and have a smile on your face and be happy with the end result result. That's, that's extremely important to me and you, obviously
2: yeah and and to touch on what you just said a lot of time- well not a lot of times, but anytime I've ever lost clientele, it was due to communication or lack of mm-hmm. communication, where you know something that they were expecting out of the process is not what they were getting um uh, for instance, I had an artist come to me and he had a ton of songs, and you know, and I'm thinking that he understood that we're a recording studio we're we're not gonna produce for not for free, you know, produce tracks for you, so you know he. Mm-hmm came in and was under the assumption that when he walked in, we would just have 5,000 tracks for him to listen to and go through and just be able to pick one and record over. Oh, and that's when I, stuff. okay. Yeah. And that's when I explained to him, you know, like, uh, producers need to get paid for their time. Like, right. you know, like, yeah, I, I, I can't ask a producer to come in here and help you or, you know, even make tracks for you and everything. And they're just doing it for fun. But <laughs> To be honest, it, it was something that he really thought was part of recording studios. Right. And, you know, and that's where I had to explain to him that any studio in the country that you go to, they're won't, if they're going to give you music, they're going to want to get paid for their music because that artist that created that music has to get compensated for.
0: Absolutely.
2: And that's communication, you know? So anytime Joe that I've ever lost, you know, any, any artist has been because of a lack of communication and I always take responsibility for that and refund the money in that situation. It's incredible.
1: I, I didn't realize that was the
2: defining factor between a, producer
1: in hip-hop versus rock I and mean, like making you know I meet these people I'm I walk I'm out and about in the community and I'll somebody will find out I'm a musician I'll be like oh I'm I make beats like if you ever if you ever need a beat and then to me I mean I'm I'm a musician I I know I don't have the need to buy somebody's beat right. from them so it's it's funny to hear like I guess if you were rapping or singing over it and you didn't have any technical skills you know, to make your own beats or to find a band to record, it would be necessary. Yeah. But I mean, making, I, I do it on Ableton cause I don't have my own drum kit and I, you know, I can, I'm working on a track right now and I can record my own bass and guitar and piano and vocals and anything else I need, but I don't have a drum kit. It's not that hard. I mean, you can do it on garage band. Yeah. But, but some,
0: there are people out there that just do not have the they just don't want to spend their time behind a computer they want to be writing lyrics out and spitting rhymes and you know and that's their focus that's what they want you you do all that stuff i want to i just want to be my i want to be me i want to be the artist you know there's a lot of people who are like that
1: yeah i do i do want to say i don't want to offend anybody who's like a master maker but you can go on if you have the proper software you can make something you know you can get on there and you just you know put your start with your kick on the down each time and then start adding a snare on the (laughs) two but you're
0: a musician that it's easy for you you're you're going you're going off of knowledge that you've had for years there are people out there that just that just doesn't make sense
2: excellent excellent point because i was just getting ready to say joe you know (laughs) what happens sometimes is people will um we'll underestimate our own talents Mm. and you know and what what happens is is that you know for some people what you just said is absolutely a totally different language (laughs) and you know they (laughs) they couldn't understand it at all and and that's okay you know because there's a lot of things that other people do that i don't understand and i don't mind you know you know just hey you do that you take care of that because i don't understand that yeah you know um when it comes to you know producing tracks and things like that it's gotten to the point now where it's actually gotten sad because, you know, a lot of times the producers are getting cut out. Um, you know, people are going on YouTube and just downloading tracks and converting them. And, and, you know, me, to be honest, I always give them the warning. You know, your, your music is not your music. Yeah. You can't sell this. You can't release this. You can't do as soon as you try to take this to somebody, they're going to say, well, where would you get the music? Get out yeah. of my office. Yeah. And like, you know, and that's how this is going to work. And, you know, a lot of times they just don't care. And you know that that's that's kind of where you know things have gotten so saturated now that you know people are okay with po- problems that are going to arise like that. They just want to kind of you know again, unfortunately, play around. Yeah. Um. So you know, yeah, there, there's definitely a huge difference, you know, in the in the title producer. Um. But unfortunately, kind of on both sides, the producers are starting to get cut out of the equation, and it's really unfortunately. It's really unfortunate because it is making um is damaging the music and the quality of music that we're hearing right now.
0: Yeah, people are sampling stuff all the time, pulling pulling from everybody, man. It's it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's 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 too easy nowadays. And I think yeah. because it's too easy nowadays and people are not educating themselves on the process that, you know, if you pull a sample from somebody without their permission and you get any notoriety, you're, you're looking for a lawsuit coming your way and yes. you, you don't, you don't realize that that's going to happen. Uh, and you're looking, you know, lawyers fees and a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of headache coming your way. Whereas just do it right. The first time hire somebody who knows what they're doing, who owns their own rights to their own beats, their own samples. Um, or make your own library. I mean, if you're if you're into it, make your own library and 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 start your own. And that way, you're safe. Uh, but yeah. as soon as you start pulling things from other people off the internet, uh, it's a real shady area, and you don't yes. want to go down that route, man.
2: Yes, and I mean the thing is, and really, what it boils down to is a word I hate using, but it's the truth: it's laziness. Hmm. It boils down to laziness, you know, like um, people just want to get to the end result as opposed to doing the process correctly so that they have an opportunity for the end result to be successful. Mm. So, you know, a lot of times, like I said, people just um, I hate saying this, but a lot of times people just want to let people know that they're in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you can tell that by the fact that every time they get a call, they answer it and say, hey, I'm in the studio. Yeah. Well, why are you answering the phone?
0: Right right
2: like like we're here (laughs) we're here to make music we're here to make brilliance why are you answering the phone i'm not answering my phone so why are you answering
0: yours yeah and
2: you know and the the reason why they're answering it hey i'm in the studio i'll call you back
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah. voicemail could have done that for you yeah you know but it's 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 unfortunate um and you know I, i don't i don't want it to be you know where you know to feel like you know it's something where we're getting to the point where we're tired of it it's just that we get to the point where um we just want it to be about the music like it used to be and you know i I think a lot of times people get you know uh kind of get it backwards where they're feeling like you know you know we, we just are are not happy with the new era of music it's nothing to do with that it's just that a lot of the new era of music doesn't really focus on music as much as it does as the end result yeah and that's why the music is definitely suffering right now, you know, in all genres. The music, Mm -hmm. the creation is suffering right now and the engineers are on the front line of that battle. So, you know, we see it first. And, you know, and it's definitely uh, um, unfortunate, but, you know, you you do get some people coming in that are still about the music and you just, those are the customers you're gonna discount. And I mean, I I, I hate to put it like that, but you are gonna discount because you (laughs) love to work with them. You can't wait until they come back to the studio and record again, you're so excited to work with them because they love the music and they love what they're doing yeah and you know whatever the style of music is you don't care they just care about the music they're happy to be there and they're happy to be sitting beside you and you guys are going in together to make something beautiful
0: yeah I, you know. that, that actually brings up something uh, i wanted to ask you how do you feel about um having the client with you in the room versus doing it on your own um
2: I, I normally will start the mix on my own if possible. Hmm. And then have them come and sit with me to get it right. Um, I just got finished doing a project and the guy, you know, he normally would bring three or four people with him. Um, but you know, one was his manager, one was his creative consult consultant, uh, you know, whatever. And then he had a, you know another guy and he would ask them what they think throughout the process. Hmm. What would happen is is that everybody would have a different opinion and we're chasing. <laughs> opinions yeah yeah i made a killing off of the fact that you know hey we're going to continue to change this mix so every yeah, yeah. time you know we get somewhere we're going right back to where we started from <laughs> and that's what's going to happen when you're mixing in a circle yeah yeah um you know I, I generally you know finally i told them, you know and i i didn't wait i told them in the beginning i said you know mixing this way is going to take you guys a ton of time mm-hmm. um you know what would be more beneficial for you guys is that i do the mix you guys critique what you like and don't like come up with a mutual opinion and bring that mutual opinion back to me to get it right hmm. but you know when they're sitting in the room with you, you're gonna get you know the bass player is gonna say "Hey, can you turn that bass up just a little bit mm-hmm. and then the kick the uh drummer's gonna say hey can you turn that <laughs> kick drum up just a little bit and next thing you know you're peeking out in the red on every track yeah yeah know? And, and that's exactly what happens a lot of times, you know, when it's what I generally would say is when I'm working with a uh, solo artist, I don't really have much problem with them sitting with me when I'm mixing. Right. Um, if they if that's what they choose to do. Um, of course, you know, just like anyone else, I prefer to mix by myself so nobody will bother me. Right. You know, asking questions or talking to you or anything, you know, and, and I don't mind the questions. And I don't mind the conversation. It's just, you know, for their music is probably better if I focus. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, when I'm mixing with a group of people, what ends up happening is, is that we end up having this, you know, uh, contest and things continue to get louder and louder and louder. And mm. um, eventually you get to the point where now you're having to turn everything back down. Mm. And, you know, and it's and it's kind of like it's just uh, a waste of time yeah. uh, because a lot of diff- a lot of opinions aren't going to help you on the mix. You hear what you hear. Yeah. And that's the reason why they're there. So, you know, uh, the first half of the project we did that way, I'd say it probably took us to get through five songs, you know, well over a hundred hours. Ridiculous. The second half of the project probably took us 20 hours total. And that's, that's when I finally went to them and said, Hey, I, I personally, you know, I appreciate you guys' payments. Don't get me wrong, but I can't work this way because I'm not getting from these mixes, what I think we need to get from these mixes. And I'm getting to the point now where I go home and don't feel good inside here. Cause I don't feel like I'm doing the service for you guys that I need to be doing. If you guys are going to compensate me. Right. Um, so, you know, and the thing I've learned about most engineers is that, you know, we're not money hungry guys. We just want to make sure that what you pay us for we hand over to you. Hmm. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, I, of course that's not a hundred percent, but you know, 90, 99% of, you know, what I've met, we all feel the same way. You know, we're not, fancy guys where we need to, you know, just we're just looking at every hour, another hour, another payment, another payment, another. No, we're we're more so about the music. That's why we do what we do.
0: That's exactly right.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and it just it gets to the point where you just feel like, okay, well, I'm not doing what they're paying me for. Hmm. And I know that if I'm not giving them what they're paying me for, eventually they're going to stop paying me. (laughs) So I'd rather have a little bit. Uh, not even a little bit, but I'd rather get paid fairly. I guess I should say than not get paid at all. Right. And, you know, and eventually what's going to happen is they're going to think that you're the problem. And that's what I had to learn is that even when other people are the problem, you have to assume that in their mind, you're the problem and you have to correct that throughout the process as you go along.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other week uh, when Joe and I started this process, um, I had mentioned how the artist needs to do their homework in terms, in terms of who they're hiring as their producer slash engineer, because you're coming to me for a reason. You know, you could have gone to anybody, but you're coming to me because of the things that I put out. You are coming to me because you enjoy the, the quality. the the vision that i have in my mixes because no two engineers are the same in terms of what they produce as a mix i like to believe that you are coming to me because you believe in my vision my quality the thing that i'm producing that i'm giving to you on the other end so ultimately let me do my job yes you know don't get i mean yes obviously give me feedback Believe in me and my ability to do what I do best, and let right. me do it, because <laughs> right. because then I'm going to be able to give you what you want. Right. And and you as the artist, and I truly believe this: every artist needs to do their homework before they hire anybody. Is to go out and listen to somebody's catalog and see what it is that they have to offer. And if you like that sound, absolutely hire them. That's 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 what you're going to get. You yeah. know. You can't hire Joe <laughs> and expect, you know, to get, you know, CLA or anything like that. You, yeah. you, you have to know what you're getting into. You have to, you can't just go to somebody and say, I'm looking for Michael Jackson and you're going to give it to me. No, that's, that's not how it works. That's just right. not, how it works.
2: <laughs> not how it works. And that's the thing is again, going back to communication, you know, just communicating with your artists and letting them know, Hey, this is what you can expect. And that way their expectations at the end of the process aren't beyond what you're going to be able to give to them. And, you know, there's been times when, you know, people have brought things to me and I've, you know, turned it away and said, you know, I don't think that I'll be able to work on your project. Right. And, you know, the first thing they're going to ask you is, wow, what's wrong with me? There's nothing. There's nothing in the world wrong with you. What it is, is that you've brought me something and the expectations that you want to get from this, I can't achieve. Right. And it's not where I, I, I don't tell them that nobody can achieve it. I'll just say I can't achieve it. Right. And, you know, and I think a lot of times turning away that situation will actually come back to hmm. you. Because um, what happened is when I told the guy that he brought me some recordings that he had done and, you know, what his expectations were did not match the recordings that he brought to me. And I asked first thing I asked him so are you open to re-recording this well you know the band's all over the place now I don't think we'll be able to re-record it no problem okay what are your expectations from this he wanted it to sound professional and be ready for you know big time release and he already had his release date and everything and you know oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah big mistakes
0: Never have a release date before never. you have a master. Exactly. Ever. People don't ever do that.
2: Don't ever do it. And, you know, and that was a situation where I, and then, of course, I asked about his budget, you know, and the three things just weren't feasible together. Right. And, you know, and that was a situation where I said, you know, I'm actually going to have to decline this project you know as much as i would like to do business with you you seem like a a straightforward guy straight shooting everything i would love to work with you but what your expectations are don't match your budget they don't match the work that you've done so far Mm -hmm. and they don't match the talent of the band that you've recorded with and he went to another studio and he got mixes and masters done and you know paid them a ton of money and you know we bumped into each other in guitar center Damn. And and it, you know, just random, bumped into each other. And you know, Damn. he's like, hey man, do you, do you have a card? I, I, I want to get back in touch with you. I said, you know, no problem. Gave him my card. I said, How did that project turn out? And he said, Man, you were so right. <laughs> Every, said, Everything you said was a hundred percent correct. And of course, you know, us being men, we love to hear that anyway. <laughs> you right. know, what right, I mean? right, right, All right, right. But you know, I felt bad for the guy and I asked him what happened. And basically what he said was that, you know, he took it somewhere. The guy took his money and, you know, the guy spent time mixing it and mastering it. But what he got back didn't sound much better than what he took there. Hmm. And, you know, and he said, you know, just with the amount of time and money that we put into that, I would have thought that it was going to be a major, major improvement. Right. And, you know, that's where I kind of explained to him on the process. You know, sometimes. If you've started so far behind zero, a lot of what we're doing is just to get you to zero yeah like we're not taking you up to you know a a 10 we're just taking you up to a zero and you know at that point when you go and compare that zero with somebody that's at a 10 you understand what a zero is Mm. and you know and that's exactly what happened basically the guy did mixes and masters on his work took him up to about a zero because they were so far behind they were at a negative nine joe Mm -hmm. and he got them up to zero but he couldn't get them any further than that because he, there's only so much you can do with something that comes to you and doesn't sound, you know, the way it's supposed to sound anyway. And, uh, yeah, he lost, blew his whole budget, you know, lost all contact with the band. He's on his own again. And, you know, we actually started recording this morning at six o'clock. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that that's where I was at this morning at 6 a.m. I bring him it's full circle yeah. Full circle. Here. Yeah, full full circle. circle.
1: Right. Good place to wrap up here because... Um, I think we've we've covered a, a lot of information. We could talk about this for for days. But, yes, uh,
0: we could. Yes, we can. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Tynes, so, it was awesome having you on the show, man.
2: Oh, you too, man. Let's do it again. We'll uh, talk more about the details of mixing and mastering, Joe, because I know we got off kill but I think we covered some good information today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're
1: uh, even if you're not in the Northern Virginia, D.C. area, Tynes owns and records <laughs> engineer lead engineer at um district entertainment in alexandria virginia um you know you can work with him remotely or if you're in the area you can go visit him
0: yeah where can uh where can they go times to get a hold of your information
2: derecording.com everything's there um I'm on uh, instagram at Tynes underscore D E um, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, everything you need right there on the website, though, uh, all the information, uh, everything from pricing to, you know, previous works that we've done. Albano Rhino is on there. My man, Joe. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I just like to talk shop, man. You know, awesome. like it's, I just love it. You know, this is what I do. Um, you know, like most engineers, I had a different life goal and I ended up falling into music and I'm never going to try to get out of it. I love it. Oh so awesome yeah thank you guys you guys keep doing what you guys are doing this is beautiful man
0: thank you yeah Yeah. no thank you all right awesome have a good night guys all right you too yep